Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and those of you who are regular listeners will know that we had to say goodbye earlier this week to our own Queen Victoria as she left for pastures new. But the podcast goes on. I'm joined today by our Prince Regent, Ian Vogler, who uh, accompanied Victoria on many a royal tour, many a royal engagement, taking the pictures, taking the videos and holding Victoria's hand in the flights because she is such a terrible flyer. Now, before we start, um, I have to apologise. Well, also let you know I'm not actually trapped at the bottom of a well. The sound isn't ideal some of the time. Um, Our studio is currently being um, made over, so we're making do in rooms that aren't necessarily ideal. But it's well worth listening to because Ian has had great access over the last week. He came; His name was pulled out of the hat to be at Buckingham Palace for Prince Charles's 70th birthday celebrations with a grand garden party and, crucially, the first official engagement from the Duke and Duchess of Sussex since their wedding. Harry and Meghan, the newlyweds, were there. He also talked to us about his experience of Royal Wedding Day and what he saw from the roof and gave his verdict on the official photos that have been released this week. So I hope you enjoy the show. Do bear with us and we will be back to brilliant sound next time. I started off by asking Ian about his day out at Buckingham Palace. Here I am. Here he is. Um, And Ian, you were there at Buckingham Palace this week for the first outing of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, since they got married. Uh, It was Prince Charles's 70th birthday celebration. So Charles was there, Camilla was there, um, Harry and Meghan, a grand garden party. how was it? Well, it was an absolutely beautiful afternoon. It was baking hot. Hundreds, I think even maybe a thousand or more people there. And they all got to see something, you know, quite quite exciting and special, really, the start of a new era. And what was the atmosphere like there? Oh, it was great. It was, um, it was quite actually laid back. Prince Harry kicked off with a speech and... Um, he said that Prince Charles had said he didn't want it all to be about him, but Harry got everyone laughing by saying, well, like I've always done, Dad, I'm just going to ignore you. So it started off as quite a light-hearted event. And then during the speech, we noticed that Harry was getting attacked by a, by a bee, which made quite a funny picture and set Meghan off laughing, which made it even better for pictures, certainly. But she, yeah, she was giggling away under her very, very stylish hat. Yes, a huge hat. Not the best when you're trying to take pictures of people, but it, I understand it's quite fashionable. It was slanted quite nicely, though, so you had you had a reasonable chance if you were if you were the right side, I guess. And were there lots and lots of press there, or was it a much more slimmed down affair compared to Saturday's uh, nuptials in Windsor? Well, I think there were about six six thousand altogether accredited or in, in town to be covering it, which is. You know, a small town in itself, probably. Yeah, there was about, I think, maybe 10 or 12 of us, Buckingham Palace. It's quite a select, um, quite a narrow field when you do these events. They only allow a certain number of media in, but it was a, a good representation. So how come you got to be there? Oh, we, we have a sort of rotational system where 
certain newspapers will get to cover certain events. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to be drawn from the, the hat or the crown, as it may have been, <laughs> such a reek. And, you know, the, I mean, the, the newlyweds, they've, they've put off their honeymoon to, um, well, to attend the garden party and to get stuck into the royal working life. Um, did they have, after the Harry's speech, what were their sort of duties on the day? Well, interestingly, they didn't hang about. They spoke to a few of the guests, and then there was a lovely moment when Camilla uh, was talking to Meghan and they embraced a couple of words were said, and then, quick as a flash, they're off. Now, where they went to is, is anybody's guess. But having just got married, maybe it was honeymoon time. Maybe, maybe. So, so they've done a very good job of keeping quite a lot of details private, really. We don't know, we don't know where they spent Sunday night. We saw them pictured getting back to Kensington Palace on Monday, but sort of their, their whereabouts, to a certain extent, even after the after they drove off in their, in their little Jaguar E-type to head for the evening reception. There have been details that have come out from there, but not huge numbers. So there was the, the invitation that was temporarily put up on, on Instagram, I think, by the polo player, but then which, which swiftly disappeared. So they, they do seem to have managed to um, invite the right people, I think, is how, is how people have phrased it, because it isn't every every little detail that is emerging and we, we just don't know where they where they spent their sort of first day and a half of married life no that's something uh, that i think prince harry's gone to a lot of trouble to get some privacy for them you know at the early stage of their marriage that that's what they want and uh, that's what they deserve it would be wrong for us to go stalking their every move i think and they, I mean, they are planning to be out and about a lot anyway, so it's not, uh, you know, not going to be starved of, starved of the joy of their, of their presence. Was there much interaction between the two of them that you saw during, the, um, during their brief appearance at the do? Yeah, there were some really nice moments. There was back-touching, hand-holding, the, the, full, the, the full sort of... Uh, signs of this you know young couple just starting out not only as a married couple but for Megan it's the start of not only married life but a new job effectively she got married on Saturday and she's yeah, straight away working in a job that probably no one can prepare you for it it's fairly fairly unique not that many people to be able to compare notes with you no maybe that's why you know Camilla was offering either words of wisdom or telling her how well she'd done. I don't know, it could be an interesting friendship between those two. Absolutely. And um, how, Harry and Meghan, how they act with each other and how they are to photograph, I guess, as well. How do they compare to William and Kate in the early days of their relationship or how they are now or any of the other royal couples, really? I think that the two, the two brothers are, they are different in that William's probably, you know, he's known for a long time now that there's every chance that one day he's going to be the king and Harry's probably known that he won't be. So whenever you do anything with Harry, his approach is somewhat more relaxed. I mean, hugging children in schools and people and so forth. It's just something he's done time and again. And he seems, you know, just to be really compassionate. 
But Williams seems to, to be compassionate, but in more a formal sort of way, much like his father, I guess. So there is that, that difference. And I think Megan's in the sort of Harry school of things. She's more sort of, you know, touchy-feely. Maybe that's because, you know, she comes from across the pond. I don't know. It's certainly different. And it's certainly interesting to watch, don't you think? Absolutely. And I mean, Megan very much at the moment has got that sort of 100 watt, I'm not very good at wattage, it might be more than that, might be 500 watt sort of Hollywood glamour and sophistication and the smile that sort of comes through somehow, which must be great to photograph. Yeah, and you know, she's obviously appealing to different sections of society, you know, there are I remember when in Brixton, I went to photograph them when they went to Brixton, one of their first things. I didn't think there'd be that many people there, but their streets were packed because people, you know, of colour were coming up to us and saying, you know, this is fantastic. We, we connect with this woman. She's like us. And it's bringing a whole new way of life, perhaps, to the royal family, making them more dynamic, more appealing across all sections of society. She's certainly doing wonders, I think, for the fashion industry. So her, her dress on Tuesday was by Goat, which um, is popular with Kate as well, actually. Um, so a very pale blush pink and a bit of sheer on the sleeves. And we've talked about a bit about the hat already. But people, I think, felt that she looked probably more um, more for, I mean, it's a garden party, so it is going to be formal. But, some, you know, some style tricks that Kate would go for. So she had the clutch bag. And then there was a really telltale sign up. It was the first thing I noticed when I looked at the pictures, which is really sad. She's wearing tights. And it was a you know, it was a nice sunny May day. You wouldn't normally need to. I don't think Camilla was wearing tights, but apparently the Queen likes the ladies to wear tights. So she's, you know, gone full full royal for uh, already oh. three days in. Well she's um yeah. Perhaps she's been given advice from the Queen. It, it's hard to know, isn't it? All these things are so worked out. You know, me, normally, myself, I, I just go for the M&S look. But to have a team of people, which she's now got around her, that will advise her and help all these things, you know, she should be getting it. She'll be getting it right. And people are, are loving to follow that look already. We're going back to the Kate effect, aren't we, with how the things that Megan wears are just going to fly off the shelves. Absolutely. In fact, Kate, um, she's on obviously on maternity leave at the moment, but she's a big supporter of um, hospices and child hospice week. Um, so she sent her a message uh, of support for that, which is, is lovely. And she talks about spending quality time together is such an important aspect of family life. And for me as a mother, it's just a simple family moments like playing outside together that's I cherish. So it's that she's given us a little insight into her, her family life as well. In, in, a, in a lovely message supporting the charities um, that she's she's worked with ever since she um, ever since she joined the royal family really. Um, but Ian, you were it's not just Buckingham Palace that you've been at in the last week. You were down in Windsor, which was obviously a massive do. <laughs> How was it for you? Tell tell us about your I'm a crazy days down there. I would imagine. Well, Windsor was a it was a long week. Oh, Saturday started. Around about 5.30, I think it was, I, I got into Windsor about 5.30, quarter to six, because of various road closures and the sheer amount of equipment that I wanted to take with me. 
and I was inside the grounds of Windsor Castle before seven o'clock in the morning. So, um, and I wasn't the first one there by a long shot. There were lots of media colleagues there. There were TV stations from around the world, America, Canada, Scandinavian countries. It's just like the United Nations of media at these sort of events. And I was positioned on a place called the Guard Room Roof, where you can look down into the grounds of Windsor Castle in order that we could see the carriage processions straight after the wedding. But before that, we got a bird's eye view of all the guests arriving. Yeah, Elton John was there. We didn't see him arrive. I uh, don't know how he got in. But we certainly did get to, get to see George Clooney being asked to show his invitation, as if anyone doesn't know who George Clooney is. And Amal looks amazing now. Yeah, she was easy to spot in the bright yellow outfit, so that was good fun. And there were her fellow cast members from Suits there. There was a whole plethora of, you know, really famous people who turned up to the wedding. When they talked about it being a small wedding, it didn't look too small to me. What about, what do you think? It's, I mean, it's a reasonable sized wedding, I would say, it's 600. But there, I mean, there were a lot of jokes going around on social media. I think, I think at some stage the BBC had tweeted, you know, how do you prepare for a wedding with 600 people? And I think there were quite a lot of jokes from um, Indian families saying, you know, you tell the caterer they only have to cater for half as many people as usual. Um, because, you know, the, the huge weddings often, often the, the, the yeah. families or whatever. But um, what, uh, what were the standout moments for you on the day? So, obviously, so you saw the people arriving, the guests arriving. Did you see um, the, the royals arriving as well? Um, some of the royals, but they, they come in a different way. The royals, you can't have the queen coming in the same gate as everyone else. So she went into a different location. So some of my mirror photographer colleagues were in different locations and they got pictures of that. We had photographers all dotted all around Windsor for the carriage procession. That was quite incredible, the number of people that turned up for that. Yeah, because it's not, it wasn't an easy place to sort of get to and, and get located with it as well. And the streets were quite narrow, not necessarily spots everywhere. So, you know, fair, fair play, everybody who did, did go down and, uh, and wave the happy couple along. Did you, so did you see the bride and groom? Yeah, we saw the bride and groom as they left in the carriage. Uh, it was such a lovely afternoon. The, the light was beautiful. The, the horse and carriage. I mean, there's nothing like a bit of packetry, is there? I'm afraid it's the one thing that our friends from across the pond, they just haven't got it, have they? No, the do fireworks all right, but I think, uh, I think when it comes to the marching soldiers and the carriage rides and a prince and a princess, then I think we definitely win at that one. Um, and what did, what did you make of the kind of the wedding, the wedding look, even if it wasn't you photographing it, and how it how Meghan's dress and veil and the whole effect that they had gone for, how that translated into the pictures? Well, I think the standout thing is, we, we all heard the service, is it was just a million miles from any royal wedding you've ever heard of and maybe ever likely to hear of again. I mean, the, the preacher was, was just incredible. He was really lively, energetic. Apparently, nearly doubled the time he was booked for, didn't he? But I guess they weren't going to fire him in the middle of it. <laughs> so it, it felt different. It looked more or less the same. The dress was more modern. You know, Harry's in his uniform. Again, that's traditional. But 
the feel of it, the choir, the preacher, that kind of thing, that was just totally different, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, was, it, it did feel like they delivered on what they wanted, which was something that reflected them and their choices. Yeah, I mean, there was a certain um, firm of bookmakers, apparently, who were play who were, um, were getting people to bet on whether or not Harry would shave his beard off ahead of the wedding, a more traditional look, but he certainly kept that. There was another bookmaker offering odds on, apparently, where instead of Megan saying, I do, she was going to say, hell yeah. <laughs> we always knew there'd be some twists to it, didn't we? But until we actually saw and heard it all, I don't think anyone could have comprehended a gospel choir and that preacher, could they? No, and it was it, it was it was amazing the music. And when they um, when Harry and Meghan left as well, that mixture of having a traditional piece of um, you know orchestral organ music first of all to walk out to, and then the gospel choir again to to have something sort of up, upbeat and uplift, uplifting to launch them into their their married life and that kiss on the steps as well. Yeah, it it, it was incredibly uh, it was incredibly modern and fun. And one of the most amazing moments, I think, certainly for anybody that's interested in cars, was seeing uh, the car that Prince Harry whisked Meghan away from. So if you remember, Prince William drove Prince Charles's Aston Martin um, with Kate in, and a few months after the wedding, he told somebody that he'd actually driven it with the handbrake on because he was so nervous. So maybe this time Prince Charles refused the loan of his prize. <laughs> so uh, Prince Harry managed to borrow uh, an E-Type Jag, the world's only battery electric E-Type Jag. Quite a sensational car. And just looked like James Bond, didn't he, in those pictures? Yeah, no, it was an amazing moment. Really lovely. And so, did, were you still there on your rooftop when they were driving off in their car? No, no, it was, um, there was only one person uh, doing that. I, but at that time, we were busy going through all the pictures that we got earlier on and answering requests from the office in London for certain pictures. So, um, no, just one guy got to do that. So, how long were you up on your roof for? You got up there 7 o'clock, you said, you reckoned, inside the grounds of Windsor Castle. And what time was, was sort of coming down from the scaffolding? Oh, I think we got down up from after, somewhere after two o'clock in the afternoon. So you mentioned that you, there was a lot of kit that you wanted to take with you. What goes in the, uh, in the survival bag for a royal wedding for a photographer? Right, royal weddings, basically, you need at least two cameras. So always worry, us photographers, we always worry that something might break. So you tend to have almost two of everything. So two cameras, definitely, in case one breaks, or you can use different lenses to get different effects. Um, I took four different lenses with me, um, computers, Wi-Fi transmitters. And because we weren't sure whether the internet would hold up with everyone in Windsor using their phones, we also um, took a satellite phone up there with us as well. So about 40 kilos of equipment which had to go up two flights of stairs and then finally up a ladder attached to some scaffolding. So getting it up there was quite a workout, I'll tell you. And we know, we know that Victoria's not, not great with aer aeroplanes. How are you with heights? Uh, I was all right up there, actually. Victoria was in a very 
lovely room, all lovely and plush, and I think they even got some champagne in there. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was on the roof with a half a bottle of water and some pita bread. I forgot <laughs> the Mars. Forgot to buy Mars. I forgot to buy some Mars bars. That was pretty remiss of me, actually. Oh, they got a bit melty. It was so hot, though. Yeah, it was so hot, actually. And, you know, up there with loads of colleagues from different media organisations. And you just want to be there to capture the big moment that's going to get in the in the paper and get online for our readers to see. It's the best part of the job when you're covering these big events. Is it quite, is it quite high pressure in that moment? Yeah, certainly the carriage wasn't hanging about. That came through there quite quickly. Yeah, you've got to, it, it's a complicated world now. Not only have you got to get the picture, but you've also got to be able to get it back to the office. And big events, the more people there are in a small area, the, the less effective, efficient the internet becomes. So it all becomes a balance between getting the picture and getting it back. But in the end, it all worked out quite well, actually. It was quite, quite a stress-free afternoon. So what were your favourite pictures that you took? Um, I, pr I like the uh, the carriage procession picture with all the guards and all the people waving it off that I got. I like James Corden because he just he's just sort of celebrating. He was having such a great time. A couple of nice pictures of the Beckhams and uh, George Clooney. So all in all, it was it was great fun from my point of view. And is there, is there a picture that someone else has taken that you could describe for us that's the one that, if, you, if you'd had a, the chance to be anywhere, that's the one that you wish you'd taken? Yeah, I think one of the guys got a fantastic picture during the carriage procession. Something attracted Prince Harry's attention and he's just looking towards the camera, giving almost like a thumbs up. So just one of those really lucky pictures, right place, right time. You can plan for months where you're going to be on these events and you just never know. Something catches their attention and it goes your way or, or sometimes it doesn't. And uh, someone who did have a chance to plan for months, I guess, was their, um, their official photographer, Alexei Lubomirsky, who was at the wedding as a guest initially because obviously the whole world and his wife is taking pictures of everybody arriving and of everybody inside and all the public moments of the wedding, but he was the one with ta tasked with taking their just them and all the bridesmaids and and the page boys especially Prince George I mean I just know we're looking at a very cheeky young man in that picture aren't we I think the guy's done really well to get them to even look at the camera apparently what he did was he found out that the kids were being bribed with smarties to behave 
So when he got them all in to do the picture, apparently he shouted out, who wants some Smarties? And that's how they're all looking at him. Otherwise, I think, you know, it's an impossible task to get all those kids to look at the camera at the same time. So I think he's done really well. It's a great picture. Because like, when I first saw it, I thought, you know, that's the picture that you get when you say to the kids, give me your biggest smiles and say cheese. But I think actually they're probably saying me or please or something like that if they're being offered smarties instead. They certainly look quite delighted with the situation. Yeah, they do. Actually, Princess Charlotte was was uh, was great actually when when the bridesmaids arrived she was looking out the window and waving at everybody i guess she was really excited well yeah you, a little girl in that kind of dress genuinely often is going to be off the wall excited i think or or raging because they hate dresses it's likely yeah. to go one way or the other it's a great picture the formal one with the duke of edinburgh and the queen in is you know it's a lovely record of the day it's got all the main players in it it's a it's a fantastic picture but i think probably like as you already hinted the one that steals shows the black and white picture it's really it's classy it's smart it's really lovely picture actually i don't think you can fault that in any way and he's, he's talked about it since as well actually saying that, that this one was taken later on i think um after the reception and then it took some just had a few minutes to try and catch a, a few pictures of the two of them together and she can't sort of half 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 collapsed in tiredness sort of into, into her husband and they're, they're sort of just laughing and relaxed and, and informal rather than um posed up yeah that it, it looks yeah you can see from the sort of shadows in it that's later in the afternoon there's a lot less pressure involved and it yeah it is exactly that it just looks like a really nice picture to do of them of the two of them together because otherwise with all the bridesmaids and page boys he's done well to get that to take a picture of the queen and the duke of edinburgh he's famously got no time for photographers at all after about the second picture the duke's normally off and gone so to get anywhere near a picture that he's got the guy's done really well it's a kind of job that will set him up for life but in his career but I don't think there's many people who have wanted to have done it. It's a heck of a heck of a big deal to do and a lot of pressure. Well, it's stressful enough doing a doing a regular wedding. Honestly, have you ever have you ever done a wedding for a friend or, or for work? Yeah, I've done uh, lots of friends' weddings over the years, including the the couple where the bride insisted on having her horse outside the church. So I had to <laughs> photograph the two of them with her horse outside the church. You know, if it isn't complicated enough, let's just throw something else into the mix. But, you know, these pictures are, are a really lovely record of the day and I'm sure they'll be treasured for many years to come. So what's what's next for you? Have you got another royal engagement coming up already or are you waiting to see what the royal diary brings? Well, we've got Royal Ascot in a few weeks. I'm sure we're going to see Meghan there. Uh, she could be in a carriage procession. Uh, at the moment, there's not too much um, been announced for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex at the moment, but there's uh, potentially the Duke of Cambridge going to the Middle East, so we wait and see what's going to happen there. Great. And then, obviously, there's the, the big trip come the autumn, 
uh, down to the southern hemisphere, it affected Australia, New Zealand, and I think Fiji and Tonga being discussed. Have you, have you thrown your hat in the ring for that one, if that's what comes up? Yeah, it's going to be, well, it's all to do with the Invictus Games, isn't it? That's the thing that Prince Harry loves the most. Invictus Games in Australia this year, he's going to be there to open the Games. And then there's the potential that the two of them, you know, go on a, a tour after that. We'll we'll, we'll wait and see. But, uh, yeah, it looks like it could be really exciting. And it, it does feel exciting having this new young couple um, setting out on their married life together and, and giving a new dimension to the royal family. Yeah, it does. It, it's another, you know... Things are changing, aren't they? The, the Queen has served this country for so many years now, and you know she's definitely winding down what she does. Other members of the family are taking on more roles and thing and things. So I think you know things are changing as they were, and it looks like Prince Harry, who some would have said in the last few years hasn't really found the role for himself, I think that's all changed now. You know. Him and uh, the two of them now, they're a team and they're going to work hard and get get around to do lots of different things. They're a force to be reckoned with really at the moment because they're riding high in the popularity stakes and the glamour stakes. So they've got a lot of capital probably to get to get things done. So it'll be really interesting to see to see what they do. Um, I'm sure you and I might talk about it again at, at some stage when, when you've had another exciting day out somewhere. Um, but thank you to our listeners once again for joining us. You can subscribe to the show so you can get the next episode very soon. There won't be one next week. We've had a bit of a bonanza this week, so we're going to give you a, a week off next week, and I'm taking a, taking a little break as well. But we'll be back with a bang the following week, um, hoping to talk about body language and the signs that we can read um, with uh, Judy James, who's an expert who, um, who we often talk through and our stories from on the site, so getting her insight and a different perspective on, on Harry and Meghan's day and all things royal as well. And we always love hearing your reviews and ratings, so give us a shout on Twitter. I'm at Anne Gripper. What's your handle, Ian? At Ian Vogler. At Ian Vogler, very simple. I-A-N-V-O-G-L-E-R. Um, so, yes, let us know your thoughts on the show, things that you would like us to answer in the future. Uh, we'll have a range of guests in the coming weeks, so do join us next time. But until then... Pod save the Queen! 